Truth. What is truth? Those are the words of Pontius Pilate from around 33 AD. Hi, my name is Doug Hooley, and you're listening to the Called Out Cafe podcast. This is episode number six in the series titled, Choose Your Jesus Wisely. Well, let's talk about the answer to Pontius Pilate's question about truth. What percentage of the real, authentic Jesus do you need to accurately believe in to be saved? In other words, when does believing in an inaccurate idea of who Jesus is cross the line to believing in a false Jesus? How much accurate knowledge of the truth pertaining to who Jesus is and understanding that knowledge is required to possess an authentic belief in Jesus? The authentic belief, which according to the Bible, is required to be considered a child of God. This seems to be only a question that God can answer for everyone he's ever elected to salvation. But do you suppose it's necessary for your beliefs to be 100% doctrinally sound for you to be considered saved by him? And I hope not. What are the beliefs that are so important as to define whether you're an authentic child of God or not? Can you believe in the Jesus of Christian science? the Jesus of the Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses or even the Unification Church, formerly known as the Moonies? Hundreds of millions of people in the world sincerely believe that they are following the truth handed down by God while they're in fact being deceived. Is the name of Jesus the only thing that sets people apart from a false religion? Even within the world of Christendom today, 2.2 billion people lay claim to the name of Jesus as the central figure of their faith. Yet, many evangelical and Pentecostal Christians, depending on where they draw the line of who the real Jesus is, judge many of those 2.2 billion people to be far enough off in their beliefs to be considered false Christians or members of even a cult. 1.2 billion Roman Catholics, 15.37 million Mormons, and 8.13 million Jehovah Witnesses fall into this category with them. Other Evangelical and Pentecostals might add 19.1 million Seventh-day Adventists to the group of those who worship a not-quite Jesus. Conservative Evangelicals and Pentecostal Christians believe that the Bible is God's inerrant, inspired word given to humankind and is the ultimate authority in determining all matters of doctrine and faith above all human authority. Where other Christian religions go wrong, according to these conservatives, is when they depend on sources other than the Bible to determine doctrinal truth, such as the Pope or the Book of Mormon or the Watchtower Society. When builders at a construction site notice something seems off when they're building, they go back and they check the blueprints. Only the blueprint contains the wishes of the architect. And when the chef goes home for the night and the cooks left at the restaurant taste their sauce and they start to gag, they know they better check what they've thrown in the pot against the recipe. Only the recipe contains the ingredients necessary to achieve the desired outcome 
of the chef. Likewise, it's by Scripture alone that we can know God's truth and His plan. Only the Bible contains the written record of God's point of view and what He wants us to know about Him and what He has in store for us. Humans are limited by their finite perspectives and their sin nature. Science is a systematic approach to knowledge that dictates we can only know for sure what can be proven through repeatable physical observation and experimentation. Using science, humans have just scratched the surface in understanding the physical universe that we live in. But even if science were to have explored every corner of the heavens, mapped and understood every segment of DNA, if every fossil were to have been dug up and explained, every lost ancient civilization found, and all the secrets of matter and how to manipulate them were known, science would still fall woefully short of understanding our universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Science helps serve our physical needs. It attempts to interpret and explain the earth, the earth part of creation, but knows nothing of the heavenly realm that God also created. In a reality where there is a non-physical spiritual universe that exists and interacts with the physical universe that humans are aware of through their five senses, science is a completely imperfect method for understanding all of created reality. The capital T, Authentic Truth, is therefore limited to the perspective of the one and only, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-seeing author of every realm of creation, both heaven and earth. And that's our Almighty God. It's only God's perspective that sees everything on a macro and a micro level in both the spiritual and physical realms from beginning to end and beyond. God's unique perspective, as far as He determined it to reveal it to mankind, is contained in the original documents that make up the Bible. I don't intend on defending the validity of what we know as the Bible in this podcast, or did I in the book. Much of that work has already been written down about how the books that make up the Protestant Bible were originally recorded, preserved, validated, and came to be included in the canon of Scripture. Extra-biblical sources such as the Book of Mormon, the many apocryphal and pseudographic works, the papal declarations, are easy to identify as sources of false divine assertions. Whether it's through archaeological evidence, disagreement within the context of the Bible, or papal declarations that are contrary to the character and nature of the God revealed in the Bible, they are not difficult to spot if one is watchful. Far more dangerous than these extra-biblical writings are deceptive teachings within Christendom that are subtle and stealthy. Teachings that don't necessarily add to Scripture, but while keeping to the idea of Scripture only or Scripture alone, sola scriptura, they simply misuse Scripture by twisting them ever so slightly. Doctrines that come in this form, in the name of Jesus, 
are perhaps the most destructive tool Satan, the great deceiver, has at his disposal to use against those who have been called by Jesus to follow him. One cannot allow his or her guard down simply because a church makes the claim, we preach from the word. Compounding the danger of these teachings or that merely twist scriptures slightly is when such doctrines are handed down and accepted from generation to generation. They become traditions then and a part of our cultural heritage. Entire movements are founded on such slightly off teachings. Over time, one bad teaching gets piled on top of another as quote, scholars, unquote, and theologians pound square pegs of interpretation into round holes in the Bible. Entire false paradigms develop. Subtle deceptions can be born out of a union of a hungry, searching heart and a poor method of studying and interpreting the Bible. Without the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit, humans will almost always choose an explanation or interpretation of Scripture that favors themselves. This was the basis of the original sin of Adam and Eve, and most sin that's happened ever since then. We'd never say it, but our actions and unspeakable thoughts show that we all think we are, or should be, the center of the universe. We all think we should be in charge. Our opinion should matter most. We do that instead of keeping God at the center of the universe and in charge. Truth normally means that a statement or belief agrees with facts or reality. However, truth also has the meaning of a belief that has only been accepted to be true, whether it's true or not. Like Pontius Pilate responding to Jesus about the truth when he said, truth. What is truth? You mention truth to many millennials and faithful to the postmodern world we live in, they'll respond by saying, whose truth? Truth has become relative to how one perceives something, and truth is synonymous with belief. People take actions based on what they believe to be true. Popularity also defines relative truth today. The media would have us believe because it's the popular opinion of scientists that the theory of evolution is true. Hollywood represents popular culture. Today, pop culture dictates everything from fashion to morality. Some would try to convince us that reality changes based on the opinions found in pop culture. In the 1970s, it was shocking to hear about a homosexual relationship. Now, the popular moral truth says that homosexual relationships are acceptable. Pastors of large churches also like to look at their large numbers of attendees as some sort of a validation of what they're preaching must be true, when, in fact, it may be just the opposite. Sometimes... When I'm home alone, <laughs> I'll turn on the television for some background noise, noise so it seems like someone's at home with me. In reality, no one is there. I am still very much alone. Like truth, 
Some may say that reality is relative. An elderly person living with chronic severe pain may say, my reality is that I spend every waking moment in pain and have nothing to look forward to in this life anymore. This world has become a dark, terrible place to live in. On the other hand, a 22-year-old university graduate starting work as an engineer at Microsoft who just fell in love might have a different reality statement. I love life. What a great world we live in. These two different takes on reality both speak from a perspective of the person involved being the center of the universe. True, one situation may suck and the other one is great, but neither can pass judgment on the entire world based on their little tiny perspective. What a 21st century Western culture's self-centered idea that says they should be able to do so. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to define reality as how the one true objective, all-knowing and all-seeing God, views the details or facts of our universe. Although the elderly person living in pain and the university graduate's experiences are different, it's only their circumstances and personal perceptions and points of view that are different. It's the same world that they both live in. Reality respects no one's point of view or their opinions, save God himself. The importance truth plays in the life of an authentic child of God cannot be overstated. Jesus identified himself as the truth. The Apostle John wrote that he has no greater joy than when one of those who he has mentored is walking in the truth. In the third book of John, the Apostle addresses his friend named Gaius at the beginning of the letter. And he said the following, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's in 3 John verses 3 to 4. The obvious inference in that scripture is that not everyone walks in the truth. In fact, with all the attention called to the truth in the New Testament and all the warnings about false teaching, the Bible indicates that there is a significant problem with people not walking in or following the truth. When confronted with truth that differs with one's beliefs, one must choose to remain steadfast in their original belief or change it. For many, there's too much at stake to challenge or change their deep and long-held beliefs. There are countless reasons the truth doesn't always win on the battlegrounds of the hearts and minds of people. Although humans may voluntarily suspend reality to be entertained by TV shows now and then, few people would say they want to be deceived. However, the problem with effective deception is that those who are being deceived don't realize it. Then, even if they do, once one has taken ownership of the deceit, it's really extremely hard to get rid of and let go of. For example, Let's say one is an elder in a church, and through careful study of the Bible, they eventually determine the teaching in the church 
is off track. They've tried to talk to the pastor, but he's not willing to listen. How could the elder have ever been so supportive of what he or she now has determined to be a false gospel? How can the elder explain to anyone how wrong she or he is and how they've previously supported this false gospel? People have trusted this elder's opinion. Will they still trust his or her opinion if they find out how wrong the elder has been for so many years? The best way to battle deceit is not to allow it in the door in the first place. However, because we're humans, one must adopt the attitude of humility, realizing they're going to be wrong. We got to be willing to walk away from deception and follow the truth, no matter the cost. The best commentaries on scriptures are those which are always in draft form. When one accidentally falls in and finds themselves neck deep in the steaming stench of a cesspit, one needs to keep moving forward to get out of it. But whereas you can shower off the stink of a physical cesspit, spiritually, the ramifications of remaining in a cesspit of false doctrines are far worse. Again, Jesus said that He is the truth. You can read that in John 14, 6. A commitment to the truth is a commitment to Jesus. When somebody chooses something other than following the truth, they're choosing something other than following Jesus. How one is committed to the truth is the greatest importance to an authentic follower of Jesus. Authentic truth is truth with the capital T. Authentic truth is reality. And it's reality as defined as being God's worldview, regardless of an individual person's personal perceptions or experience. It's how the only objective judge, God, considers the facts to be. People who don't believe in authentic truth have either drawn conclusions based on incomplete information that they just don't have access to, or they've been deceived by others, or like me turning on the TV so it feels like somebody's there, they're purposefully fooling themselves. The good news is that all these things are under the control and influence of God's Holy Spirit. Many, maybe even most, believe in an inaccurate or incomplete idea of who Jesus is. The inaccurate picture of Jesus is an inauthentic Jesus. Inauthentic Jesus can exist for various reasons, but one main reason is the lack of knowledge and understanding about Him. Faulty interpretation of Scripture because of using a poor set of rules to interpret Scripture with is a common problem standing in the way of gaining a better understanding of the authentic truth about Jesus. Focusing only on isolated scriptures to define a doctrine would be another way to arrive at a less than accurate idea of who Jesus is. Faulty traditions that are handed down from generation to generation without being challenged have the same effect. Different worldviews, personal logic, and denial are also great examples of the many things that can lead to believing in a not-quite-Jesus. Inauthentic Jesus counts on you 
to take Scripture out of context. He needs you to do so, so you'll believe you can have anything your heart desires if you have enough faith, that you'll be healed of all your infirmities if you believe the right things, that you'll receive riches if you follow the rules of reciprocity. Inauthentic Jesus wants you to believe that you can control your life if you speak a word in faith, and that God will honor your decisions if you take a leap of faith. There are promises of being popular and rewarded in this world for following the ways of inauthentic Jesus. The authentic Jesus is the complete Jesus as defined by the entire Bible when understood according to sound rules of interpretation, the things we call hermeneutics. The authentic Jesus is the Jesus of the authentic truth. In fact, again, Jesus is authentic truth. This is from John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 1, uh, 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And from John 1, 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You can also, if you want to, look up John 8, 16, 1 John 5, 20, Revelation 3, 7, and Revelation 19, 11. Those passages also associate Jesus with being the truth. So long as one does not settle for anything less than the truth, when they challenge their current beliefs, a more accurate picture of who Jesus is will always be waiting at the end of this challenge. There's never anything to worry about when one seeks the truth. All one has to lose is a false belief. That's a big deal when we're wrestling with things like loyalty and commitment to traditions in a church. If those traditions and that loyalty are well-founded, it will hold up to the truth. I mentioned this before, but it's estimated that there are approximately 2.2 billion people in the world who call themselves Christians. Well, it's not for us humans to specifically judge individuals, whether they are or not, but based on Scripture, it's safe to say that not all who make this claim are authentic children of God. Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14 tells us this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide open is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to damnation, and there will be many that go in through it, because the gate is tight, and the path is narrow that leads to life, and small is the number that will find it. Before they are anything else, the authentic child of God is a seeker of authentic truth, who is Jesus. In my opinion, the pursuit of discovering God's authentic truth should be the work and the delight of every authentic child of God. John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24 says, 
But the hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The Gospel of John chapter 18, verse 37 says, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Remembering Jesus is the truth. It's the love of the truth and the acceptance of it that the Holy Spirit uses to draw people to Jesus and ultimately save them. The following that I'm going to read refers to the end of the age, just prior to Jesus' return, when deception will run rampant. We know from the scriptures that precede it and what follows it that this passage applies to the authentic children of God, regardless of when they are alive. This is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 to 14. And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, and that they should believe the lie, that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we're bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Before an authentic child of God is a do-gooder in the community, and before they go out and to all the world and preach the gospel, they will seek God in truth. They forever will remain an authentic truth-seeker, never being satisfied with anything less. Seeking the authentic truth is not a concept that they need to be hit over the head with. It's inherently a part of the new creature they became upon their spiritual rebirth. Their new spirit longs to know Jesus better and abide in Him. The new spirit loves truth. One of the main marks of the authentic child of God is that they continue to seek and accept authentic truth and take appropriate actions when confronted by it. It's only the Holy Spirit that enables humans to be authentic children of God. The Holy Spirit, like Jesus, being God, is the Spirit of truth. It's only through the Holy Spirit that anyone can see and believe the truth. This is from John chapter 14, verses 16 to 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And John chapter 16, 13 to 15 says this, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Of course, that's Jesus speaking there. From the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verses 12 to 16, Paul wrote this, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he, the natural man, know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he is spiritual, judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." The Apostle Paul wrote that people's ability to see and understand the truth is only possible for those God calls. To all else, the good news of Jesus appears to be utter foolishness. There's no way for a person to believe the authentic truth on their own apart from God. God's truth defies what man calls wisdom. However long an authentic child of God may have been considered, quote, saved, unquote, or set apart, you know, holy, for God, they may not have a complete or entirely accurate picture of who Jesus is. Yet, the difference between them and someone else who may say they're a Christian is that they will never stop seeking to know and following the authentic Jesus. Once set apart for God and enabled by the Holy Spirit to see and believe authentic truth, unless sin or deception interferes, an authentic child of God will not reject but welcome authentic truth when confronted by it. It may challenge them. It might temporarily make them feel uncomfortable. And what I mean by temporarily may last for years. But because they love the truth, they'll continue to wrestle with it. And because the Spirit of truth lives within them, according to His timing, the Holy Spirit's timing, after validating the authentic truth through careful study, prayer, and meditation, they will accept it. Seekers, and they'll accept it according, like I said, to God's timing. Seekers of authentic truth, like the Bereans that we, we're going to read about here in the book of Acts, will check out what they're told or they hear in church on Sundays. This is from Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These, the Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Authentic truth seekers will study the scriptures for answers and will not accept what does not line up with scripture. They're not afraid to question or 
ask questions or be questioned about their own beliefs, knowing that authentic truth will hold up to any argument. They pay attention to that quiet voice in their head that says, something doesn't seem quite right about what the preacher just said. I don't read that in the passage he's teaching from. I don't know how often you've had those thoughts. I've had those thoughts many times if I've listened to many sermons. Well, an authentic truth seeker is not afraid to be challenged in their beliefs. Because where they may be wrong in what they believe, they welcome putting away false beliefs in exchange for drawing closer to God's authentic truth. Yeah, it's a whole attitude thing. Where they're correct in their beliefs, they know they rest on a foundation which is rock solid. Jesus. The imitation child of God is one who, apart from the Holy Spirit, adopts behaviors they believe are associated with being a Christian. Imitation children of God may attend church for years and listen to sermon upon sermon, which are designed to inform them how they should behave if they truly are a Christian. They're told how to experience and please God more through prayer time, devotions, meeting with others, being held accountable, church attendance, giving their money, and doing good works. Until the Holy Spirit enlightens them, if that is the will of God, the imitation child of God will reject teaching that conflicts with what they want to think Jesus is like. The imitation child of God may not want to discuss the details of their beliefs because where they're not based on truth, they're indefensible. They have to engage in cognitive dissonance to maintain their beliefs, which causes them to experience anxiety, so they don't want to talk about it. They may be content with an inaccurate false picture of who Jesus is because that Jesus serves their purposes better. Because they're deceived and have not been given the ability to see and believe in authentic truth, imitation children of God may really think that they hold authentic beliefs in the authentic Jesus. The spiritual status of an imitation child of God is the same as the complete unbeliever. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 18 to 20 tells us, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool so that they may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it's written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. For the imitation child of God, rejection of the authentic truth or failure to seek it and hold authentic beliefs concerning God has the same outcome as willingly believing in a false God. You might as well worship Baal of the Old Testament or Artemis of the New Testament in Ephesus. The ramifications of following a false God, a false Jesus, are eternal death and damnation. It's the same outcome for anyone who does not come to God by way of the authentic Jesus. The authentic child of God may hold some beliefs that don't line up with the authentic truth. And still, they still may be an authentic child of God. 
bound for eternal life. Going back to the question that I asked up at the beginning of this podcast about what percentage of the authentic Jesus must one believe in to be saved, I have no idea. I have had so many wrong ideas about Jesus in my life. It's been a real journey. Thank you, Jesus, for holding my hand through it. Likely, Jesus would equate it with something about the size of a mustard seed compared to the full mustard plant. Being declared righteous in the sight of God is only possible because one was chosen before time began for salvation. Throughout an authentic child of God's entire life, they'll experience clarification of the scriptures, leading them closer to the authentic Jesus. Their authentic belief will grow. Their faith will become greater. It may be through purposeful study of the scriptures, or it may come unexpectedly through an observation of nature that the Holy Spirit uses to meaningfully pull things together for us. Sometimes the authentic truth hits us like a ton of Bibles. Other times, it's revealed in the form of a quiet whisper that sneaks up from behind. Well, in summary, billions of people think they're correct in their beliefs regarding God as they follow their own version of the truth. But there is only one authentic truth, God's truth. It's the authentic truth that informs us about the one and only real, authentic Jesus. The authentic child of God, as opposed to the imitation child of God, or cultural Christian, bases their beliefs in the authentic Jesus on the authentic truth contained in Scripture. We'll talk about why people choose to believe in false ideas about God in the next podcast. Until then, may God bless you and Maranatha. Thanks for joining me today. Until my next podcast, you can follow me on Facebook by going to the Doug Hooley Ministries page. I'm on Twitter at at Doug H. Ministries. And I'm on Instagram at Doug Hooley Ministries. Find out about what I'm working on and read some of my blogs at DougHooley.com. Or email me at Doug at DougHooley.com. That's Doug at D-O-U-G-H-O-O-L-E-Y dot com. I'd love to hear from you. This has been the Called Out Cafe. So long and God bless. Mm-hmm.